Hello and welcome to Business Line podcast. I'm your host Akshya Chandrasekharan. This conversation you're about to listen is a part of Business Line's Table Talk series, conversations with leaders on their life and times and businesses. In this episode we speak to Hina Nagarajan, the vivacious new MD and CEO of United Spirits. For the uninitiated, Hina Nagarajan took over her new role in July last year and she's also the first woman to lead a liquor company of such large scale in the country. In this episode, she speaks about how the pandemic stoked demand for premium liquor, the growth in in-home consumption, and the company's new marketing strategy to meet the needs of a changing India. She also opens up about the IAM experience and her interests beyond corporate life. This conversation was had between business lines Chitra Narayanan and Giri Prakash with Hina Nagarajan remotely. It is redesigned and produced for an improved listening experience. Let's start from the beginning and talk about your IIM days. You joined IIM Ahmedabad in 1985 and your batchmates were the likes of Raghuram Rajan, the former RBI governor, Nachiket Moore, the former director of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Fanish Murthy, a former director with Infosys, and Harish Bhatt, the Tata Sons brand custodian. So how did the IIM experience shape you? What was the peer learning like? Are you still in touch with your peers? And how did you even decide to do an MBA? I mean, I did not be M of MBA before I applied for my CAT uh, admission. Okay. I was doing a you know, degree in BCom honors and uh, hotel management, and uh, that was because I, you know, my parents were very progressive. They wanted me and my sister to work, and I was very clear that I wanted a job after I graduate. So you know, hotel were booming, and I was doing this program. And one day, you know, I came home. I used to be in the hostel at Pusa, and I came home, and my brother said, you know, I'm planning to take the cat and i think you should also do that why don't you try it because uh, you know you can get an experience even if you haven't prepared very much but you can get the experience and on cat you can take the admission you know you can take the admission test a couple of times so you should be all right i didn't know the first thing about you know an mba program i said okay why don't i do that so i just you know put in my application and uh, decided i will take the test and after that you know i studied with some gmat books and i went to take the test and as you know luck will have it uh, you know i landed up getting a call from uh, all the three that time there were three right abc uh, i am ahmedabad uh, bangalore and calcutta i got an interview call from all three and i finally made it to i am ahmedabad right so uh, i landed up you know just because i made it right so i mean i had no clue what i was going to do there right so, you know and uh, so uh, and uh, you know i am i am ahmedabad particularly i think really brings you down to earth you know when you join because they get the cream of every uh, you know institution especially the iits so the first few days were hell right i mean there were these quizzes and uh, you know close to failing or getting ease you know having been very good in studies in school and college etc was quite a, a lesson but i think you know beyond the first few days it was a very empowered life right so i think uh, just exploring opening your mind you know understanding frameworks to analyze any problem right and really learning how to solve problems so it was a great life uh, you know first time i was away from home unfortunately for me you know the first end of first year i actually lost my dad right i was i had just spoken to him a few days uh, you know before that and uh, i had got a, i remember a management uh, an internship summer internship at uh, american express in delhi and i had spoken to my dad saying look i'm just coming right and i'm 
going to be back home after a long time and he was super excited you know my daughter he was very proud of the fact that i was one his daughter was going to im ahmedabad and stuff like that so i lost my dad right uh, when i was in my first year and uh, therefore my second year was sort of um, a little bit uh, coping with this loss and uh, you know a little bit sort of trying to complete the program my mother had financial difficulties and she was alone and quite emotionally uh, you know hit by my dad's loss so it was a, a, a you know a, a mixed bag experience but anyway i mean the overall uh, ima experience was fantastic overall i have to say right i mean it really grew me as a person raguram rajan was in my batch nachiket more was in my batch i mean we had some really illustrious people in my batch Before you took over as the chief of United Spirits, what was your career journey like? My career journey, right, uh, is really started from when I joined Nestle as a management trainee uh, after graduating from IIM Ahmedabad, and I spent fourteen uh, years at Nestle. You know, built a great foundation: sales, then marketing and brand building. And the last role I had at uh, Nestle was business head for infant nutrition and the milks category. and uh, really after 14 solid years there i felt there was a stagnation at that point i didn't really want to move uh, and explore opportunities outside india for family reasons and uh, at the same time i felt that you know i needed a bigger challenge and actually one day my husband actually said you become a rocket player at nestle so you know you become too comfortable and i think you know go out into the real world so i think that to me was a provocation and uh, you know then i decided to look outside and uh, that led me to icip pains yeah as a member of the turnaround team in october 2000 and uh, my mandate at icip pains was really to ensure that marketing is at the heart of the business so you know uh, the team there wanted to make the business more consumer centric rather than a manufacturing oriented business it was a very challenging role i spent 7 years uh, with a brand new turnaround team we did turn around the business and i had a great experience fighting a real consumer battle in the field with uh, you know the market leader who was asian pains and uh, we we did really well and i transitioned to general management during the icis stint because i started leading strategy and the r&d technical uh, function as well as innovation and uh, uh, that's when i decided that i really wanted to progress in general management and as i was having those conversations i got uh, in 2007 i got an opportunity to head the dallas based uh, company direct selling cosmetics business called mary k they were uh, you know wanting to enter india and set up the company there so i joined them as the ceo and uh, you know i didn't really know the brand before uh, you know when i was approached but uh, you know they said no no meet this company it has a very good mission of enriching women's lives you'll really like the culture of the company so i went and met people in dallas and at the end of that one day there i decided i would join and uh, you know the role at mericay really fueled the entrepreneur in me i mean i helped set up the business from scratch built it brick by brick and you know got every uh, body into the business uh, built the full team built manufacturing setups offices etc and uh, was with the company for 7 years and uh, it was a very purpose filled and fulfilling role because of the mission of enriching women's lives and every you know day i felt i was doing something for women in india but uh, by 2013 i was uh, wanting to get back to fmcg and become you know uh, come back to marketing really because you know direct selling is more selling than marketing so and because i was an empty nester by then i was open to exploring you know roles outside the country 
and the right opportunity came from Reckitt. I joined Reckitt Malaysia and Singapore as CEO in 2013. And, uh, you know, the business there was declining, very low employee engagement. I turned it around to become a, you know, cash cow, fast growing. And, uh, you know, the engagement, uh, employee engagement really uh, exploded there. It became very good. And uh, because of the fact that we did very well, you know, two years later, I was asked to take over Reckitt North Asia, which is uh, basically greater China, China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. And uh, in my three years there, Reckitt was the fastest growing consumer products business, both in China and within Reckitt globally. And then post uh, Reckitt, I joined Diageo in London to run Africa Emerging Markets, which is 37 vibrant countries in Africa. And uh, to me, Diageo, uh, the assignment in Diageo was very exciting. Africa was a new geography for me, immense potential. And so was, you know, the Alcobev sector, which I'd never worked to. And, uh, you know, the other core aspects of the company, you know, the culture, values, focus on inclusion and diversity, very high level of authenticity and the power brand inspired me to take up this opportunity. And, uh, you know, again, we had great business results over two years. It was quite a transformative journey, had a great team. And then I was offered the role of MD and CEO of Diageo India, which I was delighted to accept. So here I am, you know, for the last uh, nine odd months. What were the expectations from you as India Chief of Diageo, right? And what were the conversations like when they offered the role? First of all, it was about actually offering the role to me, right? And mm -hmm. uh, it was, uh, I mean, clearly it was a huge responsibility, critical role for Diageo. So very clearly, I mean, Diageo India holds a big place in Diageo Global. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud to be a member of the Diageo Global Executive Committee. So, I mean, you know, one conversation was about how the India business is really large and yet has tremendous uh, potential and opportunity for growth, uh, which is what really excited me. And, uh, you know, because I have spent so much of my time in India, you know, in my career, I think knowing the market well was a real uh, asset to have for the role. And we talked about the team in India, which is, you know, the team is really talented. And uh, I can see that after coming in, I'm really enjoying working with them. And then, you know, the discussion was also about how, you know, me as the woman CEO of uh, Diageo India, uh, uh, you know, could be a real role model to change the paradigm of this industry and perceptions of women and alcohol. And last but not the least, I would say that, uh, uh, you know, you are aware of the transformation journey we've been on. In this but, you know, as we've transformed our culture, our compliance levels, the reputation, we clearly know that we'd had moderate growth in the business. And, uh, you know, clearly there was an expectation that uh, we should be looking at much, uh, you know, higher top line growth. And, uh, you know, that's what I've come in and done. We've looked at the business and I've just, you know, talked about my new mission and strategy, which is about yeah. delivering you know, double digit uh, sustained profitable top line growth while delivering, uh, you know, mid to high teens margin and really creating value, long term value for all our stakeholders. While the pandemic for most industries proved very challenging, the liquor sector grew. The various state governments used that opportunity to raise revenues by slapping additional taxes on liquor products, even as the state's reserves bottomed out. So what do you think was the impact of the pandemic on the liquor industry? We have seen, uh, you know, sales did boom. But I think we've seen a few trends uh, in the pandemic which are, uh, I think, here to stay you know, post the pandemic. One is that we saw incredible premiumization and we genuinely saw that people were wanting to 
drink better, not more. And they were choosing brands that they know really well. Right? So while India was seeing premiumization for quite some time, I think this really accelerated during the pandemic. And then I think equally, I think the higher consciousness on wellness, right, which we saw, and I think that led to this drinking better, not more. I think the digital leaving, you know, so physical world and digital. I mean, digital in alcohol was non-existent, but home delivery came about, you know, in the pandemic, and people really were doing, you know, more digital uh, searches on, you know, if I'm drinking at home, how do I find the best cocktails? Experiment a lot more, you know, experience our drink much better. Reputa drinking happened, right? So people were drinking much more than whiskey. India is the largest whiskey market, but they moved to, you know, trying gin and, uh, you know, other spirits. And uh, I think socializing has changed quite a bit, right? So socializing has become in smaller groups because of work from home, you know, the post work socializing that used to happen, especially during weekdays as, you know, was almost non-existent for a while, right? Though it's coming back now as things are opening up. And uh, in home became quite big. So, you know, people really started, uh, I think alcohol got normalized in home, which is, uh, you know, really good because I mean, we as a progressive company, you know, think alcohol has a role to play in moderation in your daily lives and celebrations. And, you know, uh, the more normalized it becomes, the more actually the problems associated with alcohol go away. I'm quite pleased that that started happening much more. Could you speak a little bit more about the home delivery of alcohol products and where do you see this going? So I say, I think it was a good unlock uh, that happened during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, somehow the model, as you know, has uh, worked a bit differently, right? So we're mostly linked to the retailers themselves or the government, uh, you know, run vents. And I think that's how the uh, balance is being struck between the huge resistance from retailers and, you know, the need of the consumer, which is to have uh, the ability to access, uh, you know, alcohol products, just like access food, etc. online, right? Um, we are quite excited about the potential of this channel, but I'm very conscious, and this is my learning from China, right? That any such model, any, you know, whether home delivery or e-commerce model takes years and years to evolve, right? So at the moment, we are working very closely with the government, with the stakeholders, with the retailers to see how this model will evolve. I'm actually hopeful after seeing, you know, the positive policy developments that we've seen over the last few months. I mean, whether you look at the daily to market, you look at, uh, you know, uh, West Bengal policy, which has come, Maharashtra dropping, uh, you know, duties on imported liquor. Uh, as I see these, I'm very hopeful that, you know, over the next few years, this will become uh, a material channel for the industry, just like it is for other food and beverage. In keeping with the change narrative and consumer expectations, right, Diageo has been reinventing how it markets its brands in India and reshaping its portfolio. So what's that journey been like? I think it's twofold, right? So one Mm. is about the existing brands and the other Mm. is about new growth engines, as I've called them, right? So even on our existing brand, uh, you know, you are very interested in marketing. I think we're seeing that the consumer expectations are changing quite a bit, right? So, you know, uh, if you look at uh, the old forms of our industry, right? I mean, aspiration was always a black suited man in a very high end, uh, you know, looking or bar and you know this very high corporate image uh, you know a person having your drink right 
I think those change, those codes have really changed. I mean, people are now looking at authenticity, creating their own individual signature. You know, they're looking at, I mean, women are becoming a great, you know, uh, growth cohort in this industry. The narrative is changing there, right? So there is a reinvention of our brands and a reshaping of our portfolio that we want to do, right? So whether it's, you know, accelerating our luxury and premium range for so Johnny Walker, which is already iconic in this country, but really, you know, Johnny Walker uh, reviving the night and addressing the new millennial uh, consumers, right? Or Signature, which we've just uh, renovated with codes uh, which are about creating your individual signature and it's based on, you know, nature, right? So, you know, people are wanting more sustainable products. So, you know, Signature comes with a 40% recycled glass bottle, you know, uh, responsibly sourced cartons, et cetera. And really is taking the store, you know, narrative on sustainability. So one is that, and then we are also uh, making a shift, which is that go, instead of going from the present forward, we are looking at future back, right? And we are saying, okay, where is this market going to head in the future? And you know, where do we want to reshape our portfolio to? So one example, for instance, is craft, right? In the pandemic, I mean, local pride has been growing in India for quite a few years, right? But in during the pandemic, we saw this craft phenomenon even break out more, right? And actually, you must have seen the phenomenon even in beer, right? I mean, beer right. craft, craft beer has become yeah. really big, right? Yeah. So uh, that was one of the reasons why we said that we will, you know, make a foray into craft and we launched Epitome Reserve. And you might have read about that. We've now launched two editions of Epitome Reserve, both of which have done very well. Uh, you know, one was a rice brain, uh, rice-based whiskey, and the other was a, you know, malted uh, PT single malt uh, version. So I think looking at uh, the wellness trend, yes, I mean, hard seltzers, uh, low alcohol have started in globally, right? But, uh, you know, we are watching those trends. I mean, their craft has become a big trend and we are going to play stronger. The other trends we're going to watch, and as we see fashion building in India, we will be ready to foray into categories, right? So that's going to be our approach. There will be some that are already taking traction where we'll invest today. And there will be others where we'll watch and as they gain traction, we will invest and make sure we are ready for that uh, trend. I mean, gin, gin is the other example. Yeah. Right? Gin has become really uh, a fast growth category because of the experimentation mm -hmm. that I was just describing, which has come, uh, you know, in COVID. And, uh, you know, we are playing very strongly with both Tanqueray and Gordon's in gin. And uh, we see that consumers are uh, preferring gin as a lighter drink you know, healthier, it's perceived healthier by some. It seemed to be that, you know, light drink that you don't need to worry about any aftermath. So, uh, this is a wait and watch area for us, but we are going to be ready when it comes. Since your IM days to now, marketing has evolved so much, especially with digital. So how are you tackling the digital marketing beast of today? I think it was quite a journey and I'm very grateful that I got, uh, you know, my stint in China to understand okay. this, right? Because uh, in China, when I went there and spent three years, China is like ahead of anywhere in the world on digital and e-commerce, right? Mm -hmm. And my business uh, uh, there, uh, when I went in, about 20% of our business was already on e-commerce. And we had a fairly large setup on digital and e-commerce in the business, right? And then when I left, 40% of our business was on e-commerce. So, you know, those three years were a big immersion on, you know, how digital works, how e-commerce works, really interacting with Alibaba, you know, JD.com, et cetera. So it was, it was quite a journey, but a very exciting one. I mean, it's a different world in itself, right? 
but I'm very grateful because I learned all the principles of e-commerce and digital uh, you know, from there. And because of that uh, learning, right, today I'm on the global digital transformation sprint at Diageo, right? So oh. I'm on this tier four of the, uh, you know, digital work that's happening at Diageo globally. And I am able to, you know, provide inputs to that. So uh, uh, I think I was lucky that I got that time in China to learn this and uh, keep myself abreast and upskill myself. What kind of targets are you looking at in the long term and what is the strategy in place for Diageo India? I think the first thing is really understanding our consumer, uh, let me say internal and external, right? So I think internally, right, we need to keep our organization energized. And, uh, uh, you know, my purpose, right, is uh, to live and help others live an impactful uh, or say a life of impact and meaningfulness. And, uh, you know, our mission that we've launched to be the top performing CPG company in India, delivering sustained double-digit profitable top-line growth and long-term value is not just a financial mission. I think it plays to my purpose personally and, and the fundamental purpose most people who are working have, which is they all want to do something great. They want to build a legacy and they all want to do something bigger than just the job. So contribute to community, to society, to each other, right? And I think the fact that in our organization, we have this huge passion for purpose and our brands will sustain our journey. I think it's a competitive advantage for us and we will continue to sustain this over the years to come. And I think people are very super excited that we are dialing up Diageo in society and contributing more meaningfully. So that's the internal part. What do I know? What do I think we need to do externally? I think quite a few things, right? So one is that we are uh, going to have to become super sharp on insight, right? And uh, this is something we are dialing up in our organization. The consumer is moving very rapidly and the market is, uh, you know, preferences are moving, things are changing. But I think keeping, you know, agile and really understanding this uh, insight and keeping abreast of it will be critical. And that's the reason why we made the shift from, you know, this present forward to future back, because we really want to capture the insights as they relate to the future to come and then prepare ourselves for that journey. And I think that's beginning to work well for us. The other thing I would say is that, you know, within our strategy, we have said that we want to build an organization of the future, right? I think digital acceleration we were just talking about, and, uh, you know, we have already started the journey and we are accelerating this massively, right? So consumer engagement is becoming more and more on digital. We just launched something called the in.thebar.com, which is our digital platform for consumer engagement, really living with our brand homes, giving people ideas for celebrations, for cocktail ideas. And I think this and precision marketing will become a skill that is going to be absolutely critical for the future. So, you know, we are building the platform already. We are accelerating our digital initiatives. I mean, talent and culture, right? As growth drivers, basically we are uh, really looking at a strong leadership bench, looking at the capabilities of the future, you know, whether it's luxury selling, retail transformation, digital, and you know, building our uh, suite of capabilities up. So we're really dialing that up, hiring where we need to bring uh, specific capabilities, but really trying to upskill the rest of our organization on digital and uh, you know, the newer capabilities. Uh, also dialing up digitization of our supply chain, right? So uh, we have uh, invested in uh, digital in our supply chain. 
but uh, you know we are now going on supply transformation 2.0 which is really taking digitization of our supply chain to the next level over the next few years to be ready for the future and uh, i think uh, not underestimating speed and simplicity and agility of our culture uh, of our organizations right so uh, you know as the uh, environment changes very dynamically uh, around us one of the things we've realized is that we need to be very fluid and flexible as an organization to be able to come together on critical mandates and dissolve very quickly on those mandates and go to the next ones right so we've started doing something called sprints which is cross functional teams coming together on specific mandates projects doing this for two three uh, you know months and delivering outcomes and moving on to the next thing and that's giving us a lot of agility i mean just to give you an example epitome reserve from start to finish a craft brand you know innovation takes 12 to 18 months epitome reserve happened in 85 days from start to finish oh. and that's the kind of agility we are driving there's a renovation on royal challenge whiskey which uh, happened in delhi with uh, with the route to market chain that happened in 45 days right so we are really building a much more agile organization we've gone on something called radical liberation which is looking at all the things we think are non essential work in the organization unnecessary processes unnecessary approval and we found ways to liberate uh, 160 150000 man hours of work in the organization that's about 62 full time employees worth of uh, work right and we are redeploying our resources to uh, uh, you know the growth drivers uh, by doing this right and uh, innovation i called this out in our strategy i think dialing up the role of innovation and renovation in growth i can't underscore that because the consumer is uh, you know evolving very quickly and we need to keep pace so you know we want to go to about 25 30% of our growth uh, coming from innovation every year right so these are some of the uh, changes and i would not hesitate to say the uh, one that's going to become really critical uh, question is uh, you know sustainability right in a world that is demanding and consumers who are demanding now a much more uh, inclusive sustainable society our whole work around the agile society right will hold us and take us uh, you know into a, a much better competitive position whether it's you know driving the sustainability from green to glass all our work on water carbon on plastic waste whether it is you know this work that we talked about on moving india towards drinking better not more so you know messages of moderation harms of underage drinking curbing drink driving or whether it's our inclusion and diversity initiatives where we've made huge progress i mean you know we've got 50% women in our uh, executive already you know 31% women in leadership our goals are to have 50% women in leadership uh, by you know 2025 and uh, we are also expanding the definition of diversity and inclusion we have already to you know people with disabilities and lgbtq and we've actually hired 42 uh, people with disabilities last year in four of our manufacturing units we plan to build on that and uh, you know our policies right our policies are very inclusive so whether it's the wellness policy with insurance for you know same sex partners or whether it's our parental leave policy of 26 weeks giving flexibility to uh, uh, you know both parents right all parents actually to enjoy their children i think these are things that are you know keeping us abreast of the consumer population and the employee population that will be our biggest strength 
Time is drawing to a close, but before I let you go, what are some of your hobbies and interests beyond corporate life? My hobbies are more uh, spending time with the family because I get very little time, as you can imagine, right? So, I mean, my husband is my soulmate. So, you know, I love to spend time with him traveling to, uh, you know, exotic places. So we've done the Alaskan cruise. We've been to the pyramids in Egypt and, you know, now I'm looking to go and see the Northern Lights. So I love doing that. We love watching movies together. I spend a lot of time. My children are in North America. So, you know, I spend a lot of time on Skype, chatting with them, telling what's happening in our lives. Music is another passion. So I love all genres of music, Bollywood, old pop songs, instrumental. I have learned to play the sitar and the piano in the past. And I'm hoping that one of these days, you know, I will pick back one of them. I also love playing games on my mobile, by the way. So brainless games to relax, right? Right. Thank you so much for chatting with Business Line today. With that, we have come to an end of our conversation. If you like what you heard, share the link. Check out our site, thehindubusinessline.com and watch our videos on youtube.com backslash thehindubusinessline. That is youtube.com backslash the Hindu business line. Thank you for tuning in. You'll hear more from us next time.